Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Katie, and welcome to 360 View. This is where we explore a broad range of ideas on all things affecting your body, your wellness, and your mind. And welcome back, viewers, to 360. Um, hope everything's been going well and um, you're having a wonderful day. How are you, Katie? I'm amazing. How are you? Tremendous. Thank you for asking. Always good. That's good. Always good. We're into March now. Holy moly. March, yeah. And um, the other day we had someone continually telling us for a whole day it was the 1st of it March. It was the 1st of March. Just Can we believe case, it's the 1st of March? you couldn't believe it's the 1st of March. And, and yeah, the, the year is running away from us uh, as always and we tend to see that around this time, those people that made those commitments to themselves at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. now start, as the seasons sort of change for us, yeah. start to find it a little bit harder to either get up yeah. or train a little later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the daylight hours are just on that teetering point now of starting to get a little bit shorter. So mm-hmm. as we run sort of from um, uh, April, oh, sorry, autumn into winter, yeah, and, um, it, and it switches both ends of the spectrum. So in the morning, if you normally trained in the morning over summer, you find that you're having to wake up in the dark, which is really hard. Mm. But then especially training at night, by the time you finish work, go home, get your gym stuff, train at whatever time you train and then get home, you're getting home in the dark. So you feel like you're trading off daylight hours at whichever end you train at. So it is something, and this is where um, more of that self-commitment and discipline comes into what you do and making it a habit and making sure that you do have that habit over winter. You don't just drop the ball and let it go. Yeah, well, we always know that those people seem to go into hibernation mode. Yes. Hibernation mode for winter and summer's so far away now that mm-hmm. we sort of dwindle away from those hours. Summer seems to be so far away mm-hmm. and it all gets pushed out and suddenly it's like instead of every day I'm training, it's every third day because it's a bit harder to get up and then mm-hmm. it's maybe once a week and then that commitment that they made to themselves to train three to four times during the week at the beginning of the, the year or when we always see those uh, New Year's resolutions start to go around to suddenly become one to twice a week. Yeah. And We've already halved it and then we've got to expect that the results are going to halve. If you were training four times a week, if you plan to train two to three times a week and implement other things on the other days, that's not bad. But if you're planning on training four to five times a week and you're training once, you've just broken trust with yourself. Yeah, and and we have talked previously about that commitment to yourself and Mm. also in those goal setting and what you're expecting to get um, out of that input that you're putting or that effort you're putting in. Definitely. It's now a chance to probably reassess where that is, probably reassess now that everyone's back into their routine, you know, mm. schools and stuff going back, I know that we're coming up a couple more weeks and then it's holidays again. So mm. everyone's going to be back into the holiday mode of doing stuff probably out of routine. So it's sort of a bit easier sometimes to, to regain that trust again and try and plan things that you mm. did have to happen uh, sort of through that January period. Uh, but it's another time, another chance now to try and have a look back at what you've done, what you've implemented, mm. what stuff's worked. What stuff hasn't worked? What stuff's harder to keep a hold on? What stuff has definitely sort of adjusted a little bit because of that routine or because we, of what commitments you've yeah, had? We definitely find that commitments are seasonal and they're meant to be. Mm. Like you may have been amazing in summer and now as we move into those colder months, you move into winter, you're going to want to move a little bit less, which is natural. You're going to want to eat more warm foods, etc. So then if you're training three times a week, it's a really great time to up your recovery and to start implementing some things that are not necessarily um, so heavy breathing on your body or such heavy load on your body, but it's more that recovery and body maintenance that you 
don't necessarily want to do as much of in summer, but winter's a great time to implement that in. And then you'll come out of that and still grab a few things, a few habits that you've made solid and drag them through summer, but it's not going to be your major focus in summer like it is in winter. Mm. And you can teeter that there as to what you're focusing on. Yeah, so um, super segue there, Katie, because today's episode is about body maintenance do's and don'ts. It is, it is. Things that we've found out uh, that either uh, have worked or beneficial for us or in clients or people that we know of, and then potentially things that we see that probably don't have a good return for the investment or Mm. uh, we don't see as worthwhile or things that you can probably avoid a little bit more as far as for your training or around your um, body maintenance. Yeah, so we have your top six do's and your top six don'ts. Mm. Um, We see heaps of the do's and we see heaps of the don'ts. We've boiled it down into the top ones for you and the most common ones that we see on a regular basis for you so that you're getting the most bang for your buck when you are going to do body maintenance. So first things first, Ben, what do you think is of body maintenance as? What do you define body maintenance as? For me, it's trying to make sure that my body's able to do the things I'm expecting during the day. Mm -hmm. So the body maintenance is something that's potentially doing the things that maybe other people aren't doing or being able to make sure as I progress throughout my life or or throughout my day-to-day encounters that I'm able to do what I'm expecting my body to do. And that sometimes uh, incurs some stuff for me to do myself. So Mm. things like uh, we talk about stretching, strengthening, stuff like that. So things that I potentially can do myself, invested in myself so that I can then make sure that the output or what I'm asking my body to do throughout the day, whether it's work, whether it's training, whether it's high activity that I'm expected to do, is easier Mm. and and doesn't and I can bounce back quicker so we know that when we talk about working out or about fitness or doing stuff we're doing things to break our body down to give ourselves the chance then to recover Mm -hmm. so when we recover as we've talked before about is that super compensation or that um, adaptation that we're expecting our body to do because it's very good at adapting very quick when you start to give it uh, inputs mm. so that that outcome we can obviously see is progressing or, or, or towards a goal mm. that I'm doing. So I'm more looking at as far as the little things and the 1% as I can do, that's going to help me either recover better or help me bounce back faster so that I can end up coming back and doing what I need to do. So what about people that only train maybe two or three times a week or for people that don't do what they consider to be extremely intense or strenuous or hard exercise? Do they still need to recover? Do they still need to do body maintenance? Yeah, they still need to do body maintenance. But the thing is, is potentially it's the time invested in it. Mm. So it's thinking about things that are going to give you the bang for the buck that we talk about before that maybe now because my uh, job or my activity is not so high impact, I'm still either sitting or I'm still either doing something with my body. My body's still got to move. As you talked before about things that now that we move into winter, it's probably being a bit more aware of your neat activity so that um, non-exercise, that non-exercise activity, activity, activity thermogenesis. Just means your movement that is so it's, Yeah, and that's right. It's the potential stuff that we don't see as being particular mm-hmm. exercise, but it's just probably upping that potentially mm-hmm. if you're going to either drop off some of that exercise or, or determined exercise throughout your day so they still need people still need to be thinking about so even if you're not doing a massive amount of physical activity for it it's still potentially thinking about that moving your body through 
um, motion or ranges of motion to be able to see that. And we hear about a lot of it as far as activation, strengthening, um, using people or external people to help us with it. Mm. Uh, but you're still using your body. You've still got to move. And if you don't move, you lose it. So yes. you don't use it, you lose it. And I believe, again, people who either stand a lot or sit a lot during the day both have pros and cons to them. Standing isn't always better. Um, but they need equal as if not more recovery and body maintenance than someone who moves a lot and has an active job. They're going to need more recovery and slower methods and the person who sits a lot or stands a lot is a lot is going to need more body maintenance where they're activating and strengthening things because they're not getting used on a daily basis. It's just those two ends of the spectrum that we move on, but both are going to need body maintenance and recovery in some in some, in some to, form. to some degree. Yeah, 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 for sure. Mm. So yeah, so we we definitely see a lot of stuff that they need to do. So um, the first one we're going to have a bit of a chat about is about stretching. So we see a lot of either stretch videos or stretching that happens. There's a lot of research around this, which actually determines sometimes potentially it's not the best. You know, it doesn't actually mm. provide or keep that range for the muscle. For a so long for a long term. So the thing is, is through stretching, we talk about static and dynamic we mm -hmm. talk about some potentially some people want some yoga or, or some sort of stuff mm -hmm. like that to get some through. Some long holds, short holds. With your yoga, you can go up to two, three, five, eight-minute holds. Um, you can also have a yoga flow where you're going more through a dynamic and active range of motion and holds rather than being such a long hold, but both have both have pros and cons as well. Um, to that long hold and short hold, it just comes down to what you prefer and what you find works for your body. And and with all this stuff that we go through, it's certainly some chance for you to have a go at a few things or try a few or know if you've tried them before. If it did work, didn't work, potentially what time you've invested in it, whether it's better. I know for me personally at night time before I go to bed, that's usually the best time for me to do some sort of stretching stuff mm. is just to do some stuff that maybe I found is a bit tight throughout the day. So whether it's through my quads or front of my legs, uh, is a chance mm -hmm. for me to just open up that stuff so my hips my glutes or my butt you know to just to get through some of that stuff if you've done some sitting shoulders usually we find that we're you know like very rounded hunched forwards. over so rounded forward so this is a chance potentially to grab my either foam roller or a pillow or something put it down the middle of my back laying with my arms just out to the side so that I can open through my chest open that up because we know as we get older and things obviously locked down a bit more mm -hmm. if we continually put ourselves into that position it becomes that go-to neutral position for mm -hmm. us so it starts to get that set position so you'll see a lot of people with rolled shoulders forward also that forward neck as well because as you know if you look down the side of your body your ears should stack over your shoulders over your hips and then over your heels so the way it's looking for is to try and look for those points that are going to end up being in a line and you end up finding that people's heads start to tilt forward or push forward so their neck becomes overextended or sorry not overextended flex they're coming forward almost into that forward downward looking area mm -hmm. because we're setting stuff up like that so a chance of a nighttime for me is to open that up try and get that back the other way you've got to compensate and go back the other way so that's a good time and then because i'm going to bed 
I find that's just a little easier and I wake up in the morning that I'm not. Yeah, just relaxing gets me to down-regulate. Everything's sort of going with that. So some, some body maintenance stuff for there. That's an important point there on your stretching is that stretching sends a signal to your muscle. Any static and long-hold stretching sends a signal to your muscle to relax. Stretching, and you're looking for that. You're, you're waiting looking. for that to relax and that's release. What you, that's why we incorporate so much breathing work into it. You'll notice any yoga video you go onto YouTube and you do a guided yoga session, it is going to come across breathing in some fashion. Yeah. We focus on that so the muscle can relax. You do not want to send a signal with super long hold stretching to activate it immediately after. You don't want to be going into heavy back squats or heavy deadlifts or heavy presses after you've just loosened that activation is good but strong movements requiring high levels of strength and activation are not we're looking for gentle activation that is going to stabilize that range of motion meaning that now my hamstrings are more flexible i wasn't able to touch my toes now i can touch my toes from doing a three minute hold if i then activate my hamstrings what happens is it sends a signal to my muscle saying i'm now stable i'm now safe i know exactly where this range of motion is and you're more likely to maintain that range of motion Hmm. if i just stretch it it's a new range and it may be relaxing but your body's going to have to do that the next day because it's not stable there. It's like, I don't know where this is. I don't know why I'm here. I feel safer in my shorter range that I'm just going to tighten those hamstrings up and you're only going to be able to touch mid-shin next morning. Hmm. All right? Yeah, so that that's a good point because I just talked the other day to someone about some of this stuff and that neuromuscular connection. If hmm. you ever want to be considerate when someone ends up saying, I don't have that range or I can't stretch that far or something. If you actually go on and search for videos where people, you can see doctors and it's in, it may be odd for me to do this, but anyway, I'll get, I'll put it out there. We, when you actually look at sometimes when someone's actually under uh, anesthetic, so when they're knocked out, completely out operations, if you've actually seen any movements where doctors have actually moved joints through range mm-hmm. when someone's actually completely knocked out, you can get the full range through a joint. The entire The entire range. range, like when you're a child, entire range as if you've never used it before, um, while you're actually out cold mm. to what when you actually saw someone when they were active, you know, active yes. and um, responsive. Conscious. And conscious, yeah. So in your subconscious or not, not really subconscious but knocked out, it's mm. – it's more you can actually see that and it's very interesting because it obviously shows what happens between nerves and neuromuscular brain connection and the biggest reason that this thing happens as well is because your body doesn't see that joint as stability so it doesn't see as stable which leads into our strengthening area as well Um, and our next point is that if your body doesn't feel that that joint is stable in that certain range that you've actually just given it or you've tried to stretch to give it uh, unless you're someone that's spending hours and hours you know like gymnasts and doing other stuff where you're stretching that continually all the time and that does obviously cause a change in it Mm -hmm. but in some cases if you haven't gotten the the stability in the joint Mm -hmm. then surprise surprise next time you go to use it if you haven't done it in that range 
your body goes, hey, that's not real crash hot. And the easiest way to do it is to lock it up. Tighten it. Best Tighten analogy it I have for this. Think of your brain as a parent and the muscle as the child. Mm. All right. If your brain, aka the parent, doesn't know that the child is safe or where the child is. If so, if your brain doesn't have a great connection to your calves or to your quads or to your hips, hips are a really common one because we sit at a desk all day and they're tightened up and cramped up and we don't have a great connection because most people don't use their hips a lot, especially if they do a lot of isolation work. Hips don't come into play. So the parent doesn't know where the child is. It's going to freak out and tense up. Mm. All right. Think about it if you lost a child in a shopping center. You have a two-year-old, you go shopping, you're all sweet. The two-year-old runs away and next minute you have no idea what they are. Your first response is going to be to tense up and it's going to be to have a little freak out until you know that two-year-old is there and safe and good. Your brain does the same thing. If your brain doesn't know where your hip muscles are, it doesn't know that they're A, stable, B, safe, and C, can handle everything switched on. They're activated and they can handle whatever movement they're going to go into. If it doesn't think it can handle that, it's going to tense it up because it knows that by drawing it in closer and keeping it in tighter, it's going to be safer. If you teach it exactly where it is and you stabilize it and you activate it, all of a sudden the parent and child have a great connection. Parent knows where child is and it's going to allow you to go through that range because it knows it's safe. You need to be able to use that range once you've actually got it. Exactly. So once you get the range through your stretching, whatever that may be, activating is so important. So like you said, Ben, we call that a neuromuscular connection. Hmm. It's it's just the connection between your brain and that muscle and it being to act able to activate at any point when you need it to without you having to consciously think about about it Hmm. we consciously think about it to activate it then from there it should do its thing it should should be be subconscious should be able to be once we've told everything where everything is or told our brain where that muscle is or where that joint is or the range that it's going through strengthen it into that ensured that in those ranges that we've actually maintained that stabilizing and Mm -hmm. everything else is working we should be able to go on to our next thing and that should automatically happen now. We, exactly. we know that that's connected. We know that when we go to that joint or we're looking for to do that, it can actually produce what we're asking it to do in the range that it's doing it. So it's sure. definitely something to do there. So yeah, it's making sure that we do that. Um, another one we had, so have we talked about, we've done stretching, strengthening. strengthening. So, so yeah. with our strength, once you've stretched and you've activated, um, Issues that we see with strengthening, this can be any type of training that you do and any muscular strengthening you do, is you have two ends of the spectrum and everywhere in between. You have super light training, generally high rep training, and all of your accessory movements and activations come into this strengthening part as well. And then you have the other end of the the spectrum, which is heavy training, it's high load generally short reps, long rest, and there are two ends of the spectrum. We have everywhere in between. But the funny thing is that we generally see most people swing to one end of the spectrum or the other and stay there. Balance is something that is surprisingly difficult to maintain without having a dedicated program. A purpose in it. A purpose, a purpose behind it. it. Yeah. So we find a lot of people do the super light, high rep training, lots of accessory work, but they'll never actually train heavy. It's something that scares them. But then you'll see people who train really heavy and they think that because they can lift heavy, they don't need to step back and do accessory exercises once a week or twice a week or just incorporate it as part of their rest because they can lift heavy. 
So they're generally the two ends of the spectrum we get. The benefit both of those people could have if they had some crossover and they were able to lift heavy and do accessory. If they were able to do accessory and lift heavy, it would benefit them massively. It's it's being that well-rounded. Yeah. And that's super important. And to activate your muscle and then strengthen it is important. Again, like with stretching without activation, activation without strengthening doesn't do much. Hmm. You need to activate the muscle. The purpose of having that muscle active is so you can use it. If you're activating it and then never use it, what's the point? Yeah. You might feel a bit better. You might have a bit better range, but why are you not using it? It'll be it? pretty short term there as well. Exactly. Yeah, short term. So you're trying to regain that and you're trying to make sure your body's happy with it and you're trying to be able to use it. Yes. So the whole idea is we want to try and regain that or be able to use those ranges. Mm. And um, with some of that strengthening stuff as well, it can be with the complete range, it can be heavier stuff can help up with tendon strength as well so Definitely. we're looking for certain stuff with, yeah with tendon um tendon strength and making sure that even though you're lifting heavy you've also sometimes just got to step back and like you say we're looking at that heavy and also that lighter and accessory work or that moving a little bit quicker or doing something with that is yeah that that's where those two ends of the spectrum sort of cross over and being able to make sure that that joint is happy with all those tendons and ligaments around it yes and then also the muscles and being able to do that higher rep range, even that, mm-hmm. that lighter load, so being able to move through that a little bit quicker and be able to stabilize under fatigue. Because we know what happens as well is that as people fatigue with mm-hmm. certain movements or joints, if they aren't able to keep that that strength through that joint, mm-hmm. it ends up getting all sloppy and uncontrolled. Yes. And that's when you can actually see those injuries happen when we haven't done any strengthening around it through all those full ranges. So it's both always heavy the last and light. Rep. Yeah, and, and the way it is, is you should need to earn the right to be able to go that fast. Exactly. You need to tidy up your form, then you can go quicker. If you can't mm-hmm. tidy up your form, then that's where you need to stay or a little bit slower than that. But if you can tidy up your form and keep that speed with what you're doing and everything can handle it, that's all good. That's where you're at. If you can't, then you need to take a step back, own speed it, Speed with it bad that. form is so interesting because it's never going to improve you beyond where you are, mm. but it feels so much like it will. It yeah. feels like you're going to get better, but you're not. If you took a 5% five to ten percent step back in intensity which in the scheme of things is not much at all you're still going to be working hard Hmm. but you correct your technique and then increase your speed again you're going to get massive benefit but by going that five to ten percent faster it feels like it's so much harder because you're so much less efficient but you're not going to get any improvement from that you're going to stay where you are and chances are you're going to get injured a lot quicker so if anything you're taken out of the game sooner but it's very interesting because it takes either self-education self-control or someone else watching you and telling you how fast to go to actually know that because you think you're doing the best thing for yourself by going faster you think that you're pushing harder and it's going to be better for you but it's absolutely not Hmm. which is the hardest thing when something feels like it's going to be better for you but it's not like how do you yeah it's 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 a difficult thing to get across to people because it's hard. It's like if someone was eating vegetables or something and someone came in along and told them to stop. You have 100% conviction that that's making you healthier and someone's coming along and saying it's actually not making you better. Let's take it away. So it's just something to be aware of and it's something you can only do by trialing. If you yeah. trial slowing down for a moment and then earning the right, you're going to be so much better off. Yeah, for sure. And why is it that everyone starts to try and learn new skills or increase speed on new skills when they're having under fatigue 
and when they haven't actually earned that they that right, right. No. Yeah, for it at all. So, yeah, it's something to definitely be considerate of. So, yes, we've done our strengthening, we've done our activation. Um, and the next one we have there is self versus professional reliance. Mm-hmm. So, we all know going to, just an example, going to the physio or going to some sort of allied health person to help us out for certain ailments or things that we think we have going on or feel don't feel so right. And they end up getting in there, they give you a whole heap of exercises to do and you do them for a while if you can. If at all. If at all, I know. If at all, some people. And then all of a sudden it starts to feel okay. Then you stop doing those exercises goes okay for a while and then suddenly you're back to where you were and you can't understand why Mm -hmm. so this leads into being a bit more self-reliant and making sure that you have a bit of buy-in on yourself and and not looking for a quick fix Mm -hmm. exactly and when you're like we can absolutely understand when you're in pain all you want it to be is gone as fast as possible Mm. That's normal. When you're in pain, you just want it to be gone and that's okay. We've been there as well. Yeah. You get there and you're like, I will do anything to make this go away. So you try massage and you try physio and you try osteochiropractic, so yeah, yeah. some dry needling, adjusting. You try all of these things and they're not necessarily going to work or they may work, but they're not going to stick because yep. you've taken no personal responsibility behind it. Yeah, for it sure. seems like a longer amount of time, but if you can take a – approach where you take some personal responsibility for what you're doing and you implement these things into your habits like you implement your stretching your activation your strengthening while you're working with an allied health professional on the pain that you have then you're going to be able to integrate them and you'll be far better off long term if you neglect everything you're doing in the stretching activating strengthening department and the training department and you just go with allied health and then you take the complete jump back into your training and you neglect allied health then, then you're going to be in a pretty bad way pretty quickly. But if we can integrate these two together and create an alliance between them and be able to communicate with your allied health professional, whichever you choose, what you're doing in your training and they can make suggestions to you as to what you may need to adjust or steer clear of or add in, Mm. then you're going to be a lot better off. Like you need to have the personal responsibility where you're saying, I am responsible to maintain my body and they are going to assist me with that. Your allied and it's health, just pretty much giving some guidance. Yeah, your AHB is not responsible for maintaining your body. Mm-mm. You're responsible for You're it and it. they're assisting it. They're not in your body. No, they, they can't, can't feel so, pain. So the other thing with that as well, when you're going to see a, a professional like that, ensure that you make sure you, you communicate with them on when the injury, or not injury, but when the pain is occurring. So if it's okay when it's going slow, but bad when it's going fast or okay at heavy load but not okay at light load high reps these are things you need to have a communication with and ensure that as these people are stepping you through this or as you're trying to go through it is that you start to implement some of that stuff back in when everything feels okay so that you can actually see if it's worked because everyone tries to do the whole and in some cases some um, professionals end up getting you back to say oh you can't do that or don't do that anymore or you can't squat below here or you can't do this that's not something that for me I accept 
thing is it's very hard to try and tell you that suddenly you can't do it or you can't mm-hmm. own that position. What happens is you need to take a step back and start getting right to own the position again and work yeah. out why it's happening and then go back in and start implementing it in the basis or in the area that it happened in the first place. Mm. So, you know, it's no good doing a single range, one leg press, single leg press when it happened when you were doing wall balls or thrusters or something or rather in a doing or it's running or it's something like that. If you haven't integrated that back into your return to normalness or return to activity, uh, then it's going to be very hard to try and get that step back to where you were. So you end up sort of doing this single plane stuff when it actually happened when you're in a combination movement. When you're using two legs, not one. Yeah, not like, yeah just try and make sure because it works as a, as a whole system. Like yeah. This body all works together. There's things that certain things are doing um, that's, that sort of interacts with everything. And I watched a, a video, interesting video the other day on fascia and how it interacts and, and what it is and when people, you know, on cadavers and, and people have cut it open and, and looked at how this solid mesh that crosses our body through all the joints and how even if you've got a restriction on your left-hand side under your rib cage through your fascia not being able to move correctly and a big restriction happening there, how it actually interacts and causes that your range of motion for your arm to be lifted overhead on your left-hand side suddenly can't go up so high because it's all connected and pulls on certain Can areas quickly and do explain that. what fascia is for our listeners Jeez, i'm not an allied health person but just briefly just so that they have some idea of what it potentially is because i know a lot of people haven't heard of it it's it's something that there's been done a lot of research just recently like last five years or so it's really become big it's really become thing big and fascia and you know people end up doing i did watch a lot of stuff on how we talk about foam rolling that's another thing that we mm. can end up throwing in here is body maintenance do's and don'ts with stretching and that uh, fascia may potentially be able through your foam rolling uh, to start to sort of break down any adhesions or stuff so what it is is just that um, you may think of it more of a cage so there's more a couple of levels of cage so subcutaneous so under your skin just above your muscle layer what we have is like fascia that's all connected. So it connects over your whole body. It's almost like a suit that you would wear, almost like a mechanical mesh suit. And that's how Thinking this... Thinking like an Iron Man suit or something. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and the video that I watched and what I was looking at the other day um, to just touch up on some of that stuff and how people interact and how it does work a bit more is how they actually did have it and wear it like a lycra suit Mm. so a guy had a lycra suit on a lady ended up coming in limiting his movement by looking at what he could do by reaching his arms overhead so he put both his arms overhead she had no touching on him or anything going this was all good he had full range from one area all the way to overhead so that was all good then what she did is actually grabbed and bunched up a whole heap of his suit underneath his right hand rib cage so considered that his right hand serratus anterior was or underneath his ribs there underneath his chest under his arm was actually locked down he had a big area of of um, contusions and everything happening where there was an issue with it not moving freely so the way it's supposed to work is it's supposed to be able to move your muscles can move underneath it and it just sort of interacts with that and keeps over the top 
And she actually pulled a lot of it down and, and grabbed it all and really grouped it all up and then asked him to perform the same amount, the same test. So try and lift his arms overhead from in front or his hands in front to, to fully overhead. And what actually happened is obviously his right hand side or his arm that was just above where she was trying to hold everything down got fairly well restricted. So he could only pretty much get from to shoulder height. He couldn't get much higher because of the amount of tension that was held underneath that rib cage or around that rib cage there on his right hand side and his left arm he could get a bit higher but he'd sort of lost probably about instead of being able to go 180 degrees so from fully down to palm facing fully up to probably come down to sort of 120 so it was just past 90 so it was sort of halfway between that sort of shoulder mm -hmm. height and full up so you can see that what happens is in some cases, and even what you would consider, and that's what she did as well, is, is locked down some area around his hip. So locked down some area at the hip, and what actually happened is he started to hunch over. So you wouldn't think your hips are around his hips and his glutes and everything, and just sort of more towards his front of his quad and everything. She grouped up a fair bit of tension around there, caused some issue with that, and he actually found that his shoulders and the upper side of his body actually rolled forward as well. So the way fascia works is it ends up being under that on top of that muscle, under your skin, a cage that holds everything where it's supposed to go. Obviously, in some areas, it, it, it sort of branches together and forms tendons and, and things through your legs. There's a lot more stuff into it that you can sort of dive into and get lost down a rabbit hole if you wanted to go searching for it, by all means. But there's, there's a lot of uh, studies in how it all interacts over the body and how doing general maintenance on it, you're not going to lengthen it. You're not going to do a lot of stuff. The whole idea is to ensure that the suit is working or your system is working well with everything else. And when there's some sort of lockdown or some sort of trauma that happens is making sure that you can loosen that out. Which takes us perfectly into our next point, which mm, I is could see what you could do there. preventative versus reactive body maintenance. So reactive body maintenance would be where the suit's bunched up at your left hip and therefore you need to fix it because it's hurting you and it's hurting your shoulders. Hmm. Preventative body maintenance would be doing the work consistently so that it never gets bunched at your left hip. All right. So preventative is more on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, is making sure you have some practices in place that you know work for you and you're going to continue to flow through these things and you're not going to get as regular niggles or discomforts or things going wrong because you've found these things that work for you. Mm. Whereas reactive is not doing anything and then as soon as you have pain, all of a sudden you need to be fixed. And you have to remember that all of these things have a cumulative effect. So if we're consistently doing them, then they're all going to accumulate and you're not going to have that pain. Or once you have pain, it's going to take a while for them all to start to add together and release that tension. It's not going to be something, you're very rarely going to have something happen where you have an injury and you're going to go to someone and they're going to fix it in 30 minutes and you'll be better and never have that issue again. So we need to be taking a more preventative approach to avoiding pain and injury and discomfort rather than just when you're hurt. Because by the time you're hurt, it's too late. Yeah, it's like, gone too far. Like, you know, you've missed the mark. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It's being able to make sure. Then also when you're, when you're either doing something, knowing that if something affects you, like it's giving you pain or discomfort, pulling back for a little while from that certain movement or that mm. certain range to ensure what's going on find out what's happening with it and then go back into it. So yeah. trying to pull back and know that you may potentially have to do some preventative stuff before you go asking for that range again. Definitely. So, yeah.
Um, and then our final point for today is using pain and discomfort as a sign that something isn't right. Something not being right could be a whole heap of stuff. It could be a muscle not being active. It could be your fascia's not functioning as it should. It should be that something's or not you're feeling something gliding. Locked down. Yeah. It's locked down. It could be you're not strong enough in that position. Something else is too weak. Um, it can even be down to, it's a little bit controversial, but the emotional stuff behind pain as well. Um, it's something we'll go over in future episodes as well, but it's currently had a whole heap behind it but it's something that's little known as Mm. well is that sometimes you have pain in a part of your body that's fostered by something emotional or by something in your head and again it's a sign that something isn't right and you need to fix something so the best thing that you can do is do a little bit of research on it to see why that pain is potentially there go and see someone that might be able to give you some insight and a lead that you can look into as to why that pain is there um, and start to work through it because by you working through that pain and figuring out why it's there, you're going to prevent that from reoccurring, but you're probably going to prevent it from occurring anywhere else in your body. Then if something else goes wrong somewhere else, take it as a sign that something isn't right and change it. You're never going to have pain. Go to an allied health person, get it fixed continue with your life exactly as it was and your training exactly as it was and not change anything and never have it happen again because it's always a sign that you're not doing something correctly. Mm. So if you can spin that around, figure out what it is, change something in your life, however little or big that may have to be, then you're not going to have that pain happen again. Mm. And with that, some of that stuff as well is um, if you've had some chronic pain in the area, for, for a long, obviously chronic indicates that it's a long time, acute indicates that it's a short, shorter mm-hmm. period. Um, is you've had some chronic pain there potentially sometimes as well, there's actually nothing wrong with the joint or the area, but because when you know that you've got a sore ankle, so it's easiest thing, something, some an area is, you know, you've got a sore ankle, you know that potentially when you squat, your ankle gets sore or the area of the, when you're dorsiflexion or you're coming down the bottom of your squat, your ankle gets sore. You know, that's something you've been struggling with for a long time. You've potentially fixed it. You've stepped back. Everything's all going. But but every time you squat, in subconsciously in the back of your mind, you're waiting for it's the hurt. pain in your ankle. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that, that there's nothing wrong with the joint. It's just that that highway between your brain and your ankle, it's so connected because there was always a problem there or you always had pain there whenever you did this movement already as soon as you step up to the bar to do some back squats or do whatever it was that caused that you're waiting for it to happen so you're almost willing it to happen yes and you've checked there's nothing physically wrong so you know there's nothing physically wrong you've gone to someone who's checked it's Mm. come back as all clear scanned that's when you get the mental side of it coming in which is what you had talked about which i think is a good thing to go through as well as what what we will and as we progress through in future ones so yeah yeah. so some stuff that we've talked about for our do's and don'ts for our body maintenance so some do's we've got a few quick pointers there to do so long holds and dynamic stretching obviously understand when you need to be able to do that so we're looking for long holds potentially when you're actually either relaxing at the end of a workout or at the end or when you're at the end of your day to try and go through there think about more your dynamic stretching is stretching to regain that range 
throughout that joint or throughout that muscle and then you're going to move on to doing some strengthening so you're going to take that complete range and strengthen it as well so you're going to yes. try and build so that you have confidence and that joint has stability through there and through that so then some focused activation so making sure you're activating the correct muscles or the correct things to get that connection through that neuromuscular through your brain to that muscle or through to that joint to make sure everything's all connected and sweet so that when you use it you don't necessarily have to constantly be thinking about it all the time so mm -hmm. some do's with that then some self-responsibility and some professional help so make sure that you've got a buy-in on this it's your body if you're not got the buy-in to do it then don't expect anyone else to have it because there's only a certain amount of times i mean there is some allied health people that are more than happy to quite keep taking your money and keep you coming back if you're not doing the if work. you're not progressing but ensure that you talk to them ensure that you say this is not getting any better when i do this this is still happening Yes, you need to have some buy-in, but also if you're not happy with the professional help you're getting from someone, go to someone else. Mm -hmm. Get a second opinion. You're the one in this. They're not. Mm -hmm. So you've got to live with it for, for 24 hours a day. Ensure that you're doing your preventative maintenance. I'm sure you're doing if it does feel and you're wanting to make sure that those joints are all good, your fascia is moving correctly, everything's feeling. Do that self-maintenance on yourself, On obviously self-maintenance on yourself as you go through. Make sure that you've got buy-in there. Um, and then, yeah, be be body aware. So so know that if you're getting recurring pain doing something or in a certain range, it's a chance for you to take a step back, look at what you're doing, potentially readjust either positioning or what's going on and then progress from there. Do something. Try a different stance. Move your feet in. Move your feet out. Uh, different bar, like different hand position on bars when you're pressing, bench pressing, elbow position. Look at something that potentially you're doing, setting yourself up, making sure that that works for you, knowing that it's not happening again. Find that where it doesn't happen, go from there, then step again. Mm -hmm. So it's continually reassessing and going backwards and forwards from there. Mm -hmm. What's our don'ts? Our don'ts, stretching without strengthening. If you're purely stretching all the time and you're not activating and strengthening, that is an absolute no-no. Um, only doing compound lifts is another one of our don'ts. So you can't purely be doing um, our compound lifts. So for example, a squat, a deadlift, a press, any dynamic movements, Olympic lifting, purely compound movements without doing isolation. Multiple joints. Multiple Multi joints, joints across multiple planes. Only doing single plane isolation lifts. So without isolation lifts, it's just purely working like a bicep or a quad or a calf. We can't just be doing that because we need our muscles to work together. We can't expect them to work together without working on their own, but we can't just work them on their own. So we need to be incorporating some compound lifts, some isolation lifts, again, with that broad spectrum of strength work. So making sure it's light and heavy. Because that just tees into coordination. Yes. Coordination with muscles when you're doing compound lifts, that's something that you, go, you gain as you do them. Obviously, you need to know sequencing, how muscles and how joints need to work together to get you to the position that you need. Doing only isolation lifts limits you with how that works, limits you with how your brain and all your joints and muscles are working across certain planes. And when you need things to be pushing, pulling, antagonists, and agonists, antagonists, oppositions, things like that. So you need to make yes. sure that you can coordinate all that. So yeah, getting stuck in those doesn't help. No. Um, then from there, a missing mind-muscle connection. Don't ignore this. If you can't feel a muscle engage and you know that it's not working when you're training, 
do your mind muscle work. Don't avoid this at all. It's pretty quick. It's pretty simple. A big one with that is usually deadlifting. Yes. Big deadlifting. If you go in, what are we looking for to feel? Hamstrings, hips. Posterior, everything behind there, not your back. No. So if you get up after you've done uh, some heavy deadlifting. And you're like, oh my goodness, my back. back. Yeah, but my hamstrings don't feel anything. Yes. Then potentially what you should have done is if you couldn't feel that on the day of you're doing it, it's usually always the day after or that day. Like that's where you know, yeah, you know you've done something wrong is potentially you should have pulled back, gone a little lighter, slowed down a little. Activated your hamstrings. Activation of that hamstring has happened. And go heavy. And ensure that your core is working and everything's Mm -hmm. locked in and your sequencing is right. So a few things over that one. So yeah, don't ignore your mind-muscle connection work. Our next point is taking no personal responsibility and looking for a quick fix. Remember, this is a cumulative effort. Everything is going to add to you being better, to you feeling better, moving more freely. All right. So take personal responsibility. So Again, the don't is no personal responsibility and looking for a quick fix. Mm. And then our final don't is ignoring pain and discomfort. Pain doesn't go away through ignoring it. It may go away temporarily, but it's going to come back and it's going to scream louder. Mm. All right. It's always a sign that something isn't right. In all of the things we've just talked about, something isn't going right. So it's a sign that it's not going right. What do you need to do? What do you need to fix? Likewise, discomfort, which is our step before pain that normally we ignore, is again, your back's a little bit tight maybe in deadlifts and you just think nothing of it it's just what happens when you deadlift mm. i've heard that so many yeah, times that's just what happens I, my I back it. just gets sore in deadlifts but i do them anyway because they're good for me but they're not good for you if your back's hurting no so that's something there is just making sure that you don't ignore pain and discomfort it doesn't mean you have to consume 24 hours of your day wondering why your back hurts when you deadlift just be conscious of it an answer will come up mm. and in some cases there We've talked about it, or we can talk about other things. Is sometimes that when you're doing the deadlift can sometimes be the straw that breaks the camel's back, literally. So it's something that goes on there that maybe during the day you're doing, or something that you're you're sitting, or your core is not working. It's both, you know, as we talk about, it's front and back. So just have a little think about that, and sometimes don't just necessarily blame that. Ensure that you've activated what you're doing, but think about what's going on throughout the rest of the day. Because how much it's, what percentage is it if you work out for an hour? Out of your 24 hours, potentially you're it's with your, yeah, like you're with yourself doing everything else during the day. Mm-hmm. It may be that you're just a bit lazy with your posture and your positioning. So before we go, great yeah. example of that. I was talking to a lady the other day. We backtracked her issue all the way back. So we're talking about tight hips. Mm-hmm. Um, she was said that she was training one day and had super tight hips and wasn't sure what was going on, can normally get a squat that's just below parallel and couldn't even get to parallel this one day, like super tight hips and said she could feel them and didn't know what was going on with them. Um, so then we looked at it, started stretching, chatting and having a look at why that may be. We backtracked that to not sleeping great for starters sleep wasn't good so we asked about nutrition if your sleep isn't good then what's your food like potentially thinking maybe too much sugar carbs not enough protein before bed to foster sleep nutrition had gone terribly not eating regularly body was out of routine eating too much sugar too much starchy stuff definitely not enough protein why was the nutrition bad tracked that back to stress 
the stress was the thing that was then comfort eating, which was then causing bad sleep and bad hips. But why were we stressing? Because the routines and habits had fallen through. The one routine and habit that fell through was not walking every day for half an hour that fell through so then that resulted in a feeling of failure and a little bit more lethargy so feeling a little bit more ugh didn't really want to do stuff because she hadn't been walking so she hadn't been moving which gives you energy it doesn't take it away Mm. so then had been more receptive to stress and had not more receptive to stress had been more prone to stress because she hadn't been moving having that outlet of a day-to-day basis so then wasn't eating properly therefore wasn't sleeping properly therefore her hips were the things that carried all of that and seized Mm. so we tracked that all the way back so like you were just saying it's not necessarily something that you did exercise wise that made that happen Mm. it's a whole host of different stuff and it's so surprising that people can't take a bit or or we get so locked down on actually what's happened when we're either exercising so this is what i know has definitely caused it in some cases you need to take a holistic as we talk about that 360 holistic view is is to step back nice is to step back and have a look at it look what you've done throughout the day week month like is it has it progressively got worse where you they were tight then they weren't tight then they were good and then you did it's 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 that big thing where i just see a lot of it throughout people is uh, postural like you're either sitting standing moving doing something throughout the day if you can't get your hips or your core stacked and looking fine throughout what's going on through that midsection and that uh, like that abdominal your midsection area is that Mm. connection between the lower and the upper body getting that melon sitting right on top if you can't get that right everything underneath got to compensate then all of a sudden what didn't seem so hard all of a sudden actually happen you know it's now Mm. it's now screamed at you and it's now told you that this little bit extra you've asked me to do throughout the day is not okay is not okay i could handle this amount of time doing what we were doing to suddenly being hit with another 45 minutes of potentially deadlifting or potentially squatting or whatever it is pressing whatever you're doing uh, it's like okay i can't that's too much and the deadlifting and the pressing wasn't the issue it was what had happened in the rest of the day Mm, throughout the other 10 hours or 12 hours you were doing something that maybe you weren't so mindful because in most cases what we see is people are very good at being able to stabilize and do things when it's a heavy load or yes. when something's happening because we've got so much focus on it. We've already worked it up. This is heavy. This is heavy. I know it's going to be heavy. I'm you really going to brace. brace. I'm going to have to think about this. I've got to really concentrate on it. Yet we reach down to pick the lightest thing off the ground. Suddenly where kunk back goes, it can be the easiest time to do it is because you haven't. It's repetitive. Yeah, brace. It's repetitive. It's something that you're doing all the time. So, yeah, really think about that because if you don't do the body maintenance that happens with this, potentially yes. that's what can come about and the outcome that we end up getting given. Exactly. Nice. Alrighty, viewers. So there are our top six do's and our top six don'ts when it comes to your body maintenance. Pick some of these, start implementing them into your habits and see what works for you because we know everyone's body is individual. Mm. If you have any questions, by all means, flick us a message um, at 360view.co on our Instagram, Facebook etc um if you'd like to send us an email you can at contact at 360view.co we would love to hear from you um but until then we will chat to you again next week thank you viewers for tuning into another episode of 360 view 
You can follow us on Instagram at 360view.co to stay up to date with everything we're doing and tag us in your podcast listening. If you found value in today's episode, leave us a like, a review, and a five-star rating. If you know someone who could benefit from listening to this episode, give it a share. If you have any questions, shoot us a DM on Instagram, and we'll answer them in the show. Thanks again, viewers, and we'll chat to you in the next one.